Captain's log. His Majesty's submarine Cerberus, September 21, 1995, 1500 hours, North Siberian coast, sector 18, fjord 88. Position in accordance with mission requirements. The light of a thousand suns. Manning Wilson, John Rye and Ian Thompson in a play for radio by James Follett. The light of a thousand suns. Depth? One zero zero four meters, sir. Keel clearance? Five four meters and steady. Even floor. Stop engines. Engine's still running, sir. We have a PCC reject on that last order. Well, what's the matter, Captain? Computer seizing command of your submarine? Just a minute, please, Mr. Floyd. You know my orders. No civilians in the control room when we're on manual control. Uh, key error? Very fine now, sir. PCC reject positive. What the hell's causing it? Positive reading on the inverted echo sounder. I'll put it on my display. What is it, Captain? A ship up there? If it were, the computer would have shut off our sonar long ago. Ah. A narrow beam sweep, please. I want a profile. Sweeping now. Now, does that look like a ship, Mr. Floyd? Hardly. Mm. Ice. Mm. Not much, but enough for the process control computer to override a stop engine's command when we're about to send up the antenna boys. And intelligence assured us there will be no ice in this fjord at this time of year. I'm not responsible for Met Intelligence, Captain. No, but I'm responsible for this submarine, Mr. Floyd, and I don't like incorrect data. If this was an old Polaris-class submarine, I wouldn't mind so much. Well, I can't wait to get out of it. Why? The dam's life's safer than where you're going. How do we know the Russians haven't sewn this fjord up with submarine detection equipment? Don't worry, Mr. Floyd. Our sonar boy jamming equipment is most effective. And besides, if our detectors heard anything, the PCC computer would not have allowed us to proceed this far. Engine they could stop. put a cork in this fjord and we'd be sunk, literally, or up the creek equally so. Drift? Drift, zero. Internal waves, zero. Thermocline level at two four meters. Sub-bottom penetration indicates a hard sea floor. Okay, we'll sit on it. Take it down. Level keel descent, one meter per second. Aye, sir. Uh, Mr. Sinclair. Sir. Stand by to release your antenna, boys. Standing by, sir. Twenty minutes to beacon. You're not sending those boys up here, are you? Well, yes, of course. Easy, well, supposing sir. they're seen. Can't you suspend this pantomime you go through every six hours? That is the one yes. thing we can't do. We may be putting you ashore, but we're still on operational duties. And no matter Easy. where we are, the listening antennas go up, even if we were in the solar. Yeah. And if we didn't send them up on time, the process control computer would. Now, I don't like this situation any more than you do. I think it's madness to deploy a submarine such as this one for an intelligence mission. I said so at the time, but I was overruled. My people tell me that this is the only submarine in service that can't be detected... I wish I had their confidence. Oh. Why? Once you put me ashore with my equipment, I feel I stand a better chance. I can merge with the background. Something I'm supposed to be trained to do. I can't do that while sitting around in this iron coffin. It wouldn't surprise me if at this moment the Russians are trying to make up their minds which of their latest toys to drop on us. They don't know we're here. The amount of warm water our reactors are pumping out will be a dead giveaway to an infrared surveillance satellite. The Russians don't have polar orbit infrared satellites at the moment. They've plenty of aircraft, though. This area will be swarming with them once their exercise gets underway. You know, 
Your nervousness doesn't fit my picture of a... An observer? Yes. I thought you were going to say spy. You can call me that if you wish. Spy is when they work for the other side. Agent is a more acceptable term if you must use labels from fiction. A rose by any other name. Look, my normal office hours are 10 to 4.30. I'm paid monthly, 10,000 euro dollars a year. I'm allowed 40 per night subsistence with an additional 10 per night for overseas travel, making a total of 50 per night, of which seven will be deducted during my stay on your submarine. Full allowance rates will only apply from the moment I set foot on Russian soil. Upon my return, I shall have to make out detailed expenses in triplicate. If anything should happen to me, my wife will receive a lump payment of two years' salary and maybe a posthumous OBE or something about five years later. We've touched bottom, sir. Uh, I'm sorry, I... I didn't mean to sound rude. Oh, it's me being cooped up in this thing. Now, why did you volunteer? I didn't. I was asked. Why agree, then? Release number one. Direct orders are a luxury only enjoyed by the armed services. In six weeks, I come up before a review board. Favourable word from them can add 7% of my salary and 4% of my pension. If I live to see it. Release boys two you, uh, and three. You uh, really think it's dangerous here? With 10,000 tonnes of tinware disturbing the local gravity, what do you think? I think... It's time we got some sleep. It's now 13.45. Mr. Sinclair? Sir? Are the antenna boys up? Number one's on the surface. Nobody's shooting at it yet. <laughs> Two and three on the way up. Lieutenant Sinclair, facetiousness is as unbecoming as a single ring. Yes, sir. I'll leave you to monitor the 1400-hour beacon. I'm going to get some sleep. Aye, aye, sir. I must ask you to leave the control room now, Mr. Floyd. Sure. Oh, and one thing. Yeah? HMS Cerberus is not 10,000 tons of tinware. Huh? She's 10,000 tonnes of titanium alloy and carbon fibre. Really? Accurate data, Mr. Floyd. Accurate data. Who are you? What are you doing in my cabin? Stride. Leading technician Stride. I can read a branch badge, Stride. Didn't they teach you how to address an officer? Leading technician Stride, sir. What are you doing in my cabin? You reported a malfunction on your television, sir. That was three days ago. The submarine's closed-circuit television system has a low maintenance priority, sir. Some calibration equipment's been giving us trouble. What sort of trouble? Nothing much. We fixed it now, sir. Why wasn't I informed? Test equipment faults aren't notifiable. Well, you should have requested permission before entering my cabin. It wasn't locked. That doesn't matter. Did you obtain permission to enter the command area? No. No what? Sorry. No, sir. I'm due back on duty shortly. There wasn't time to find you. I, I found the door unlocked, so I assumed... Never you... assume anything, Stride, especially with me. No, sir. However, as you've repaired my television in your spare time, I'm prepared to overlook it on this occasion. A three-day delay in repairing any equipment ought to be unacceptable. Since when did leading technicians decide what is acceptable aboard the submarine? As I do not share the entertainment committee's enthusiasm for running old westerns, a three-day delay is perfectly acceptable. There was a good one last night. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Only two-dimensional, but it's very good. <laughs> I first saw that oh, 25 years ago, when I was courting. <laughs> Perhaps you uh, missed some of it the first time. <laughs> Perhaps I did. <clears throat> and it's none of your business. Yes, sir. Well, uh... If you're happy with the television, I'd better be going. Uh, stride. Wait a minute. Sir? Thank you for fixing the set. There wasn't much wrong with it. 
I was about to have a, a beer. Would you care? Oh, thank you, sir. There's some cans in that locker. Oh, right. You're an odd sort, Stride. Why? Uh, your beer, sir. Hmm. May I sit down? Yes, yes. Uh, how long have you? Uh, how long have you been in the navy? Four years. Mm-hmm. How long in submarines? Four years. You like it? Not so much in this sort of submarine. Well, what other sort is there? Oceanographic research submersibles. <laughs> Toys. I think so. This sort of submarine maintains peace. Without that, there'd be no time for large-scale research. I always thought war was a spur to research. Sir. Why am I odd? Research couldn't improve much on this submarine. Perhaps. Why am I odd? When I was your age, I went in terror of senior officers. If one asked me to have a drink with him, I'd be perched on the edge of my seat, quaking. <laughs> I can do a very realistic quake if you wish, sir. <laughs> well, that won't be necessary. How long had you been in here before I came? Harrison, yes? Control room. Lieutenant Sinclair. We haven't received the 1400-hour beacon. You haven't? I'll be right up. Now then, Mr. Sinclair. What's all this nonsense about not receiving the 1400-hour beacon? Nothing's come through on all three receivers. You can play the tapes if you don't believe me. Don't be impertinent, Mr. Sinclair. Have you checked the receivers? There's nothing wrong with them. I just run some white noise tests. Mm. Are the antenna boys still up? You could hardly check the receivers with them down, sir. Good. Well, then we'll carry out another test. That's not necessary. I don't trust these tests you people dabble with. I prefer something more positive, something I can understand. White noise tests are standard procedure for radio receiver failure. Standard procedure for you, Mr. Sinclair, is obeying my orders. You haven't given any. Don't push me, Mr. Sinclair. I was only pointing out that I had followed the procedure. Yeah, well, I've got the... another procedure for you to follow. Is the moon up? The moon, sir. Yes, sir, the moon. M-O-O-N. Um... Yes. Only ten degrees. Well, as long as it's there, that's all that matters. Now then. We're going to bounce a signal off it to test the receivers. Can you arrange a directional transmission so we don't advertise our presence to every monitoring station in Siberia? Well, I, I'm not sure. I, I suppose we could. If you insist. I do, Mr. Sinclair. Very much so. We'll need at least 30 minutes to set everything up. You'll do it in 20. And a lot of power. I told you, Captain. Those Apaches were sure to turn mean if they discovered us. I ain't scared of a bunch of redskins, Lieutenant. If we have to shoot it out, then we shoot it out. Our orders are to assess their strength, Captain, not to stir up another Indian war. You ain't scared of them, are you, Lieutenant? Because <coughs> if you are, you ought to just take another look at our artillery, boy. I reckon they ain't gonna let. Oh. Attention, all crew. This is Captain Harrison. We are about to test the emergency power system. All auxiliary power for non-essential activities has been suspended. This test will last approximately five minutes. Please remain where you are until normal power is restored. That is all. Right, standing by to transmit. There'll be a 2.5 second time lag between sending and receiving. Ready when you are, Mr. Sinclair. On the count of zero. Five, four... Three, two, one, zero. Number one receiver positive. Good. Now number two. On the counter. Uh, just, just press the button. Number three. 
Well, now we know for certain. The satellite definitely did not transmit. Ever know such a thing happened before? Never. You don't think... It's too early to jump to conclusions. Which satellite was it? Um... Cassandra 6. And the next one? Cassandra 2. Transit convinces in four hours of the next scheduled beacon at 20 hundred hours. Well, we'll know then, one way or another. You know, perhaps Cassandra 6 has been knocked out by a meteorite. Highly unlikely. Yeah, but still a possibility. Look, Mr. Sinclair, let's, uh, let's wait for the next beacon, hmm? As I said, it's too early for jumping to conclusions. You can haul the antennas down now. Right. Retract antenna, boys. Retract antenna, boys. Who's your relief watch? Uh, Lieutenant Aitken. Right, leave a message for him to call me 15 minutes before the next beacon. I'm going to catch up on my sleep. Right, sir. And you'd better restore auxiliary power. We can't have the crew deprived of their westerns. Captain's log. His Majesty's submarine Cerberus, September 21, 1995. 1,500 hours, North Siberian coast. Sector 18, Fjord 88. Position in accordance with mission requirements. The scheduled 1,400-hour beacon was not received. Routine tests on our radio receivers showed them to be functioning satisfactorily. It is presumed Cassandra 6 has been disabled by a meteorite. We're now awaiting the next beacon due from Cassandra 2 at 2,000 hours. I am cancelling the operation to disembark the civilian Robert Floyd and applying Stage 1 alert standing orders. This action has been approved by the process control computer. Uh, personal comments. The surrounding mountain profile of this fjord is exactly in accordance with the three-dimensional hologram. Charts are accurate to within plus or minus 5% for depth, and... Captain... I'd like a word with you, please. What's the meaning Mr. of... Mr. Floyd, I'm recording the log. If you wish to see me, kindly arrange with my steward. What the hell's the idea of cancelling my mission? Who said anything about it being cancelled? My boat is not being made ready, and none of my equipment has been stowed in the escape pod. The single ringer responsible says he's been ordered to leave the gear alone. Is that correct? That is correct. Why? Because I say so. Now, if you'll excuse this me... This I... mission of mine is not your responsibility. Your orders are to put me ashore at the proper time, which happens to be... Exactly four hours, 33 minutes from now. So you can tell that single ringer to break my gear out. Look, don't you come in here lecturing me on my responsibilities, Mr. Floyd. You do well to remember that you have a responsibility to obey my orders while you're aboard this submarine. I kindly remember where you are. The whole point of us being here in the first place is to put me ashore with my monitoring equipment. It's not me forgetting where we are. We haven't crept up this ditch for the scenery. I have nothing further to add. If you don't leave now, I shall summon the Master-at-Arms. <sighs> Do you know the importance of this mission? I am not concerned with the importance of your mission, only with the primary function of this submarine. The Russians have a new coordinated fire control system for their tanks, mobile field guns and ground-to-ground -ground missile launchers. According to our reconnaissance satellites last year in Mongolia, the Russians wiped out over 2,000 Chinese tanks with fewer than 200 tanks and four rapid-fire missile launchers. I know they're going to use this system on the forthcoming exercise. We need to know a hell of a lot more about it. And the best way to find out is to monitor their short-range radio telemetry data links. The cunning bastards have deliberately picked this godforsaken part of the world for the exercise, knowing we've a snowball in hell's chance of listening in with conventional monitoring stations. Mr. Floyd, I sympathise with you, but <sighs> it changes nothing. I don't want your bloody sympathy. 
I just want you to authorize the loading of my equipment into the forward escape pod. Even if I gave the go-ahead, under the present circumstances, with the submarine in no immediate danger, the PCC would block any attempt to use the escape pods. What present circumstances? I cannot discuss that. I remember the days when submarines were under the control of their captains, not a box full of transistors and integrated circuits. Yes, and I remember the days when submarines were lost at sea through human error. Without the continuous situation assessment capability of the PCC, we should never have been able to progress this far into the fuel. I see. And your PCC cannot make a mistake? No more than a musical box could ever play a wrong note. You're just playing with words. Yes, well, I'd rather that than play with the lives of 50 men. 50 men? So that's it. I knew there was something odd about this submarine. You hardly ever see the crew. The usual complement is about 300 men. The PCC has replaced 250 men. And you're next? I'd, uh, I'd like to get some sleep now, Mr. Floyd. What exactly is this submarine, Captain? It's too modern to be a Polaris class, and you said something about it not being one earlier on. Did I? And yet it carries missiles. I noticed the launch tube caps on the aft deck as I came aboard, ten of them. Very observant of you. It's my job. Now, something else I noticed. There are no periscopes. I always thought periscopes and submarines went together like roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. I've never tasted it. This submarine has two operational modes. Either she's on the surface in home waters or she's below at a thousand metres. Never less than that, and certainly never periscope depth. Therefore, periscopes are superfluous. If you want to take a look at the surface, we can send up a TV camera boy. Is that classified information? The fact that this submarine exists is classified information. Just as I thought. I couldn't even find out what its name means. <laughs> well, there's nothing classified about that. Cerberus, in classical mythology, was a many-headed dog which kept watch over the gates of Hades. Ah. Now, you think about it. Thank you. And now perhaps you tell me why my mission has been cancelled? That I cannot do. You'll sign a form absolving me from responsibility? Yes, I recorded the cancellation in the log. I could make a guess. This submarine is on some sort of alert. We're always on the alert, Mr. Floyd. Only sometimes a little more so than at other times. And now I must insist that you leave this cabin. I've had no sleep for 20 hours. Sit down, Mr. Wallace. Thanks. Now, what on earth is all this about? I received a message from your ambassador saying it was imperative I grant you an immediate interview. If it's that urgent, shouldn't your embassy deal with the appropriate ministry? Well, this is a complex matter, Miss Arnott. We thought it best to come to you first rather than tangle with your civil service. I'm a civil servant, Mr. Wallace. Uh, yes, but as director of the British Military Communications Group, you have direct access to your Prime Minister, correct? Uh, that depends on how urgent the matter is and the Prime Minister. We now have a new Prime Minister. I believe he's a personal friend of yours. Supposing you tell me what all this is about. Uh, do you remember our needle project of the 60s? I'm hardly likely to remember what happened in the 60s. But I do recall reading about it. It attracted some notoriety, didn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, several million metallic needles were injected into Earth orbit to determine whether or not it would be possible to screen radio signals controlling guided missiles. Other reasons for the experiment were put out at the time, of course. Oh, yes. The resulting blanketing effect upset a lot of radio astronomers. But what's all this got to do with your visit? Uh, would you take a look at this, please? A piece of aluminum foil? <laughs> I guess it does look like aluminum foil. Try bending it. Good heavens. Yeah. MIT came up with that stuff about a year ago. 
In addition to its mechanical strength properties, it was found to be the most effective screening material we've ever come across. It can stop anything right across the radio spectrum, even X-rays. Even X-rays? That's right. You see what this means? I do indeed. Supposing the Russians discover it as well. We know from the work they're doing on titanium-based alloys that they're as likely to stumble across it as we did. A load of this in orbit would wreck the radar and infrared homing systems on our advanced-use anti-missile missiles, making the Dew and Nadj lines as big a joke in the next war as the Maginot line was in the last. Mm. Can I keep this? Well, I guess so. You could test it for yourself. We shall, Mr. Wallace. Uh, it was essential we should discover how effective this stuff is under operational conditions. Of course. Now, let me guess. An experiment has gone wrong? Well, yes, that's about the size of it, Miss Arnott. 200,000 pounds of the stuff, the size of postage stamps, was lifted into orbit at 1,200 hours your time this afternoon. It was packed around an explosive charge. Uh, the idea was to detonate the charge in an orbit inclined at 80 degrees to the zodiac, well clear of the Earth. The stuff was so arranged to spread outwards in the form of an expanding disk. We were to make a series of high-speed tests to measure its effectiveness as the disk expanded. One hour after detonation, the stuff would be sufficiently dissipated to be completely harmless. It sounds well conceived. What went wrong? Well, the rocket was steered into polar orbit and we were all set for the final orbit injection when we discovered the second stage booster wouldn't separate. Several stunts were tried to get the darn thing to unstick and somehow or other we managed to inject the whole goddamn payload into Earth orbit. Oh. The belt of the stuff is now in polar orbit going from pole to pole at 90 degrees to the equator. I see. We're very sorry about this, Miss Arnott. Um, naturally, with all your communication satellites in near equatorial orbit, we're hoping the radio blackout for each satellite will only last for a few minutes during intersection with the screening belt. Of course, uh, if you have any polar orbit satellites, it would be a different story. I don't think so, Mr. Wallace. Uh, how long will this belt last? At the present dissipation rate, it will be at maximum effectiveness for the next 100 hours. Naturally, um, <clears throat> your government will receive a formal apology. Naturally. We consider the matter urgent, uh, just in case you have polar orbit satellites we don't know about. Of course. We believe all your satellite orbits are profiled on a central computer? It sounds like a good idea. Uh, this computer tape may be of assistance. It projects the radio shadow created by the belt over the next 100 hours. Thank you. It will enable you to determine when, where, and for how long your satellites will suffer blackout. The tape is in the Estol computer language. I believe that's the one you're using. Nearly finished. Yes, Miss Arnott. We're waiting for the computer to print out details on just one more satellite series, and that's it. And which satellites will be the worst affected? Well, none seriously so far. Irritating, perhaps. The longest blackout will be the Met Office's Eureka 7 from 18.31 hours to 19.01 hours on the 24th. Mm -hmm. uh, Skynet 10, 1800 to 18.10 hours tomorrow. Mm -hmm. On the civil side, Early Bird 20 will be off the air for 20 minutes on the 25th. Oh, bang in the middle of the Peru-Jilly match. My husband will go mad. Ah, that will be the results on the Cassandra series. Excuse me. Miss Harness, come and look at this. Captain Harrison, sir. Wake up. Huh? Wake up, sir. Oh, oh, what is it? 
You left a message to be woken at 9.45, sir. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Aiken is on watch. I bought you some coffee. Oh, thank you. Tell Mr. Aiken, I'll be in the control room in ten minutes. The civilian would like to see you. Oh, hell. What does he want? I don't know. He tried to come in when you were sleeping. That reminds me. You left this cabin unlocked and unattended whilst I was in the control room. Did I, sir? You did. Don't let it happen again. I'm sorry, sir. Good evening, Captain. Did you sleep well? No. May I have a quick word with you? No. I have an idea. Later. I won't take a minute. I said later. I think you better go. It's not in the best of humours. Oh. I don't like having my moods decided for me. You're not getting enough sleep, sir. And you're getting impertinent. I just warned Mr. Aiken that you are on the way. You won't warn him. You will tell him. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Mr. Aiken. Anything to report? I know, sir. The antenna boys are up. One minute, 30 seconds to beacon. I suppose you know we didn't receive the last beacon. Yes, Mr. Sinclair told me. He's noted it in the control room log. He thought a meteorite may have knocked out the satellite, <laughs> but it does seem improbable when you consider that each satellite has three separate transmitter receivers with independent power supplies. That's my feelings exactly. Mr. Sinclair has a romantic streak in his nature. 60 seconds to beacon. Why are these uh, these men still on duty? Oh, they've swapped watches. Say the Western isn't a very good one. <laughs> Curiosity, more like. Um, did you wish to supervise, sir? No, no, you carry on, Mr. Aitken. Run tape recorders. Recorders rolling. Receivers on. Receivers on. All channels. Yes, sir. 40 seconds to beacon. Stand by emergency power. Emergency power standing by. Uh, we'll have the amplifiers on maximum gain, please, Mr. Aitken. Maximum gain. We'll be deafened when the satellite transmits, sir. Well, let us hope so, Mr. Aitken. 30 seconds to beacon. Final check. Antennas. Antennas standing by. 25 seconds to beacon. Recorders. Rolling. Receivers. Standing by on all channels. 20 seconds to beacon. All systems okay and standing by. 15 seconds to beacon. Trey Aitken. I have been. 10 seconds to beacon. Quiet now, please. Five seconds and counting. Four, three, two, one. Sweet Jesus. Quiet. It won't come now. Rerun tapes. Maximum amplification. There won't be anything on them. We just didn't even flicker. Just obey orders. Rerun the tapes. Sir. He's right, you know. Maybe so, sir, but he should obey orders no matter what. Yes. There's something we must all do. No matter what. Uh, with your permission, sir, I'd like to run some tests on the receivers. No. But, but sir, Look, we... there's nothing wrong with the receivers, is there? No, I suppose so not. So there's no point in kidding ourselves, there is. Now, I'll remain on watch while you, very quietly, without fuss or excitement, inform all executive officers there'll be a meeting in my cabin in um, 35 minutes at 20.35. Understood? Yes, sir. Master Dance. Sir. Until further notice, you or one of your men will remain near me at all times, armed. Yes, sir. Could I see you now, Captain? It's very important. No, I'm sorry, Mr. Floyd. I'll have to wait. We could try connecting my monitoring equipment to one of your antenna boys. The mountains would make reception difficult, but it's yes, worth trying. Yes, we'll try. discuss it later. I'd like to discuss it Master now. Master Arms, would you escort this gentleman from the control room? He's no business here. This way, sir. I think you're being bloody unreasonable. <laughs> Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. Now, you must all know by now why I've called this meeting. 
The last two scheduled Cassandra Beacons were not received. I take it, sir, full checks have been carried out on our receivers? Yes, Mr Fisher. All three receivers were proved to be in working order immediately before, during and after the scheduled beacon times. Maybe a meteorite... A meteorite might knock out one satellite, but it's a million-to-one possibility. And even if that has happened, no meteorite could knock out all three transmitter receivers. And certainly not all six on two satellites with a 60-degree orbital separation. Therefore, I see no point in a lot of speculation as to whether or not the satellites transmitted. From now on, we shall proceed on the basis that they did not. Yes, sir. Now, we have clear-cut orders governing our actions in this situation, and it's up to me and you to see that they are carried out in a satisfactory manner. From now on, I will tolerate no breaches of discipline, no matter how minor, either from you or the crew. Do I make myself absolutely clear? Yes, sir. A small point, sir. Yes, Mr. Sinclair? If this submarine is to be used, hasn't it failed in its prime function, that of a deterrent? Our prime function is to obey orders. Blind obedience to orders is no defence if a subordinate is aware that to obey such orders would lead to the committing of an atrocity. This was made clear during the Nuremberg war crimes trials after the last war, and later on during the trial of some American soldiers following a massacre in Vietnam. Mr Sinclair, we are not here to debate... I'm only pointing out... You are pointing out your unfitness to serve as an officer aboard this submarine. No, sir. I think it is only fair that you and the other officers should know that the point I made was added to the Geneva Convention... And our country countersigned the amendment. Have you finished, Mr Sinclair? Yes, sir. Good. Now, we've listened to you. Now, perhaps you'll be good enough to listen to me. First, whatever agreements, treaties or conventions our country has signed are of academic interest only. For all we know, at this moment, the Geneva Convention may be nothing more than so much useless ash. Second... Moral issues concerning the functioning of the submarine and the duties of its crew are a matter for the King, Government and people of Great Britain. Third, to carry out those duties, I shall require your unquestioning loyalty. Normally, I'm entitled to expect it as a matter of course, but I'm not insensitive to private feelings in these extraordinary circumstances. Do you not think it might be a good idea to monitor the broadcast band, sir? No, I do not, Mr. Aiken. It would verify the situation. It would verify nothing. Do you think the Russians are incapable of faking what little transmissions we will be able to receive in this part of the world? We have ways of faking broadcasts of all the Russians, therefore it would be foolish to pretend they don't have the same. Our course of action is determined by the silence from the Cassandra satellites, which can't be faked. Now, to do otherwise would mean disobeying orders. But, sir, I can't... Now, Mr. Sinclair, I am prepared to overlook your comments made during this meeting, but afterwards I shall expect and get obedience to orders. So what exactly are these orders? Firstly, to apply stage one alert standing order listed on paper number eight before you, starting with the food controls. Now, the daily ration per man is scheduled in Appendix D. Immediate implementation of these controls will extend our tour period by a further six months before revittling is necessary. That's assuming there's anywhere left where we can revittle. Well, we'll worry about that when we have to. Our immediate concern... Yes, we know, to obey orders. I shall ignore that remark, Mr Sinclair, but I might not ignore the next. Secondly, the shredding and pulping of documents which indicate the qualifications and duties of crew members. Is the um, shredding and pulping machine in working order? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Now, pass this key down, please. Sir. Mr. Sinclair, would you open the bulkhead safe, please? Sir. The small door beside the television panel. 
I want the green package marked Sector 18. Well, gentlemen, I, I don't propose going through all the orders. As you can see, they're all fairly straightforward. Are there any questions? This one, sir? Mm? Uh, yes, pass it down, please. Thank you. Now, I'm sure you all know what this is. I'll just break the seals. And there we are. Nothing more than an ordinary tape recorder cassette. Now, this tape can only be played under the following circumstances. When two scheduled beacons had not been received, and then only by the captain, in the presence of the executive officers. Do we all agree those conditions now apply? Yes, yes sir. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, well, don't look so worried, gentlemen. This tape contains nothing more than our required fail-safe position, somewhere well out to sea, I imagine. There's also a red package in the safe marked Sector 18. I suppose that's the Instructions target. Instructions on when to play the red tape will be contained in this tape, Mr. Sinclair. Let's not get unduly excited. Now, before I play this tape, I'm bound to draw your attention to Clause 7 in the alert standing orders. In plain language, Clause 7 states that the orders on these tapes are directed at all the submarine's officers and not just the captain. In other words, the enactment of those orders is the collective responsibility of us all and not just myself. That's all very well. I will act as arbiter in any dispute regarding their interpretation. Apart from that, we all have equal responsibility to ensure that they are carried out. That is why the tapes can only be played in your presence. Do you all understand? Yes, sir. Now, will you all sign paper number six in front of you and pass them down to me? Something seems to be bothering you, Mr. Sinclair. Sir, I don't believe I can accept this concept of collective responsibility. Master at Arms, will you step into my cabin, please? I only wish to point out, sir. Master at Arms, yes, kindly escort Lieutenant Sinclair to his cabin and see that he remains there. Sure. He may visit the heads, but he is to be accompanied. You're enjoying this, aren't you? I'm doing my duty, Mr. Sinclair. As it's obvious you have no intention of doing the same, you leave me no choice. Take him away. Come along, please, sir. And leave your tape destruction key on the table, Mr. Sinclair. I only wish now I'd use the bloody thing. An armed guard by his door, if you please, and remove the intercom from his cabin. Very good, sir. <coughs> Does anyone else have misgivings concerning their future behaviour? <coughs> I shall now play this tape. <coughs> this player appears to be faulty. Try this one, sir. Oh, thank you, Mr. Fisher. This was the same. Mr. Aitken, you're responsible for equipment. Is it asking too much of you to ensure the tape recorders are kept in working order? May I say it, please, sir? Thank you. Oh, with your permission, I'll try one of my own cassettes. The leak on the port hydroplane gland has been rectified. New lighting tubes installed in companion... Well, there's nothing wrong with the tape recorders. It's your tape. That's ridiculous. Apparently not. Uh, fetch me another tape, then. It's no use, sir. Do as I say. Look, you might as well face up to it. Your tape has been exposed to an extremely powerful magnetic field. That can only mean one thing. Someone has activated the tape destruction system. Well, if that is the case, it must have been done by one of us. But, sir... Would you all place your tape destruction keys on the table, please? Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, they all look okay, sir. None of them has been used. Plastic covering films are intact. 
including Lieutenant Sinclair's. In that case, there must be another explanation. And I think I know what it is. Louise! Come in, come in. Hello, Michael. Uh, pull up a stool. Sorry about the mess. I'm wading through my predecessor's papers. Well, those I'm allowed to see, that is. <laughs> I suppose I must be the last to congratulate you. <laughs> Not quite. There's still a number of undersecretaries who've yet to beat a path to my door. I haven't even got my feet under the table, and they're plotting. Oh. The civil servants will be able to transfer their loyalties overnight. Oh, they're not politicians, Michael. They're only human. One of my election pledges was to stop government being a faceless bureaucracy, and they're all wondering which of them I've decided is a faceless bureaucrat. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, they all are. Uh, I've decided to sack the next one who comes through that door saying, Here's a paper we think you ought to see, Prime Minister. I'm only interested in the papers they think I shouldn't see. Oh, you can't sack civil servants, Michael. They can only be transferred. Something I intend changing. Michael. Would you consider a transfer, Louise? No, Michael. Why not? I don't think it would be wise, do you? I suppose you're right. What have you done about my message? It wasn't an excuse to see me. Oh, no. Oh, I thought... Don't let's start that again, Michael. It's finished. I passed your message on to the Navy. What did they say? I haven't replied yet. What's the purpose of the Cassandra satellites? Don't you know? No, for some reason or other, my department wasn't notified of their function. All we know is that there are six of them in polar orbit with a 60-degree separation. Oddly enough, only last night I was looking at the appropriation vote. I've been going over the defence spending for the last five years to see if there's anything we can cut down for quick results. I've got it here somewhere. Ah, 1990... Cassandra Satellite Programme, Naval Communications. Development, 2.4 million. Ground stations, 8 million. Booster hardware, 10 million. Over 3 million per satellite. Why is it always necessary to start writing noughts as far as space is concerned? Who sponsored the programme? Um, Weapons and Strategic Studies Group. Pike. Theodore Pike. The green telephone. Trouble. Hello? Cassandra. That's right. The Americans approached Miss Arnott. Yes, she's with me now. Hold on. Uh, Louise, how long will this blackout last? One hundred hours. One hundred hours? They gave her a computer tape. How urgent? <sighs> About eight o'clock. All right, then, seven. OK, I'll have to cancel some appointments. Oh, uh, one thing. I want to be briefed first. No, 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 he's useless. I'll see Pike. I'll send him along immediately. And Williams, I mean, immediately. Oh, well, Louise, your signal seems to have caused quite a ripple in the ranks. The Navy are leaping about as if the sea had run dry. <laughs> quite a tonnage of gold braid heading my way in two hours. Is Pike coming? Yes. She'll be here in a few minutes. I, I must be going. Well, I'd like you to stay. And run into Pike? No, thank you, Michael. Pike... Pike, yes, yes, I remember now. He never used to turn up at committee meetings or sent along a minion, unless he needed money. Hmm. Ah, yes. Ah, look here. 1989. There were six meetings to discuss financial cover for the new C-class submarines. He got his money has hardly been seen since. Keeps himself to himself. Well, one would expect the head of our weapons and strategic studies group to do just that. Look, I must be going, Michael. Oh, this is interesting. Copy of a memo to Pike from my predecessor, May 1990. A 
Five years ago. There's a written question attached from the member for Isha. Why is the government spending 2,000 million on the new C-class submarines when the Polaris submarines still have another 10 years operational life as a result of major refits? Good question. Why did they? The member to Pike says, uh, give me a plausible reply to this, please. Government by faceless bureaucrats. I wonder what the answer was. You'll have to look up Hansard. I will. Have you met this Pike? Once or twice. The only good thing about him is that at least he's on our side. He's a man I can't fathom. Completely devoid of emotions. I've no wish to meet him again. I'd rather you stayed, Louise. Is that an order or a request? What would it have to be for you to remain? An order. Then that's what it is. Sit down, Pike. Miss Arnott and I wish to ask you a few questions. But first of all, I must warn you that the days when you could run defence matters how you pleased are over. All matters requiring decisions have always been referred to the correct minister. You will find me more inclined to stamp on people rather than rubber stamp their pet schemes. We'll discuss that later. Brief me on the purpose and function of the Cassandra satellites. Naval communications. We know that. Be more specific. They provide a control link with the C-class submarines. You mean submarine, don't you? Cerberus is the only one in service. That's right. Ceres and Cyclops are still under construction. They're due for commissioning in 1998. I shouldn't count on it, Pike. Now then, why are the Navy getting so frantic about this communication loss with the Cassandra satellites? So there is a blackout. It must be the first time for some years that the Prime Minister has known something ahead of his senior aides. What is the nature of this blackout? The Americans have orbited a narrow belt of reflecting material, similar to chaff, but more effective. It's in a polar orbit. The belt's only two degrees wide, but its apogee and perigee matches that of the Cassandra orbit precisely. The Americans say it's an accident. Has it been confirmed? Oh, yes. The Royal Radar Establishment, Malvern, and Government Communications Headquarters, Cheltenham, have reported the presence of a narrow reflecting belt in polar orbit. Even the BBC's Caversham stations noticed something odd. Of course, none of them knows about the Cassandra satellites. How long would it last? Another hundred hours at the present dissipation rate. At what time did it start? Twelve hundred hours. You must excuse me, Prime Minister. I have to attend... You leave. When I say you can leave, Pike... You haven't answered my question. Why are the Navy so upset at this communication loss? Surely the Cassandra satellites are not the only means of communicating with Cerberus? I'm afraid they are, Prime Minister. No ground wave system? No. But multiple systems have always been a requirement aboard our submarines. Why should Cerberus be any different? She's an ordinary Polaris carrier, isn't she? No submarine costing 2,000 million could be described as ordinary. Cerberus is neither ordinary nor a Polaris carrier. She's equipped with 50 Kraken missiles, half of them armed with 50 megaton hydrogen fusion warheads, 16,000 kilometre range. Cerberus can discharge all of them in eight minutes. Oh. Compared with the Kraken, Polaris is nothing more than an obsolescent toy. Hardly obsolescent, Pike. If it wasn't for the Polaris submarines, this country would be defenceless right now. No, not with Cerberus, Prime Minister. Why not? If it was necessary to order a retaliation, we shouldn't be able to do so. Cerberus will never receive an order to retaliate. Every six hours, she receives a coded radio signal via one of the Cassandra satellites ordering her not to retaliate. Negative response retaliation. You've heard of it, Prime Minister. Only a strategic philosophy. I never thought it would ever be put in practice. Having a lot of people think you won't do something is a very good reason for doing it. Hmm... The chief advantage of negative response retaliation 
is in its simplification of operational procedures and avoidance of too many fail-safe devices where there's a danger of not being able to retaliate if you want to. A problem we still have with the Polaris submarine. So, if Cerberus does not receive a signal every six hours, she'll attack? Eventually. Who devised this mad system? I did, with the approval of your predecessor. Why wasn't I informed earlier? You were scheduled to be notified in due course. Besides, prime ministers needn't concern themselves with operational details, as long as the system works. But it's not working, is it? No wonder the Navy are panicking. And you telling me we're about to attack is hardly an operational detail. I did not say we were about to attack. Sir, not did he or did he not say we... I said Cerberus would attack eventually. There is a fail-safe contingency. Only one, but an effective one. Cerberus has now missed her first beacon. She'll miss her second in, um, four hours. So we have ten hours... I want to know about this fail-safe, Pike. At the moment... Cerberus will be in a Russian fjord on the North Siberian coast. She's on a special mission for intelligence. I'm not interested in what she's doing. I'm interested in what she's going to do and how you intend stopping her. Simple. If she does not receive a scheduled beacon, the captain will freeze operations by placing the submarine on a stage one alert. If the next beacon is not received, he'll up the alert status to stage two, call a meeting of his executive officers and open his green orders for whatever sector he happens to be in. They're in the form of a tape recorder cassette. The cassette will detail a position on the high seas which he is required to head for immediately. He will wait in this position, and if a third beacon is not received and he hears nothing further from us, he will assume that this country has been subject to a surprise attack. Then, and only then, will he retaliate. How do we use the failsafe? By dispatching two RAF Nemesis aircraft to rendezvous with Cerberus at her failsafe position. Cerberus will maintain a skywatch by means of her TV camera boys. She'll fire a flare from the boy to let the RAF know they've been seen, and Cerberus will downgrade the alert and resume normal patrol. It's a very simple system. And we definitely can't radio Cerberus direct. Anyone can send a radio signal. That's why the negative response retaliation system is so effective. You can't jam or otherwise interfere with silence. If you do, it's no longer silence, is it? Stride may be a bit surly at times, sir, but I can't believe he could be responsible for the destruction of the recordings. Why would he want to do such a thing? I'll resume by now, gentlemen. Uh, call him in, please. In here, Stride. Leading technician, Stride, sir. Thank you, Master at Arms. Uh, your firearm, please. Mine, sir? Yes, yours, sir. Uh, but, sir... Uh, don't argue with me. Just place it on the table with the safety catch off. I, I... Do as I say. Yes, sir. Now close the door. No, I want you to remain. Now stand there, Stride. To attention, if you please. Now then. At 13.30 hours today, you entered my cabin without permission. Why? To repair your television, sir. Now tell me the real reason. There is the real reason. Do you know what these are? They look like recording tape cassettes. What type of tape cassette? Uh, well, ordinary cassettes, aren't they? No, Stride, they are not ordinary, and you know they're not, don't you? No, sir. What was wrong with your television, sir? Well, the picture was twisted sideways slightly. It's all right now? Yes. What did you have to do to the set, Stride? The focusing coil around the neck of the tube had slipped. I realigned it and tightened the clamp. A simple task? Yes, sir, very simple. <clears throat> One which would only take a few minutes. Yes, sir. When I caught you, Stride, you've been in here nearly 20 minutes. 
I had to unscrew the front panel and, and slide the unit out from the bulkhead before I could work on it. And I had to remove the electromagnetic and X-ray shielding from round the tube. And yet this simple task took 20 minutes, hmm? I also made a number of adjustments to the three-dimensional balance. Picture lack depth. And you also made a number of adjustments to that safe beside the television. No, sir. I never touched... Oh, I didn't even know it was a safe. You activated the tape destruction system. These tapes are useless. No, sir, I swear... Tell the I... truth. I've never heard of the tape destruction system. You've seen the activating switches near the escape hatches? No, sir. Well, I, well, I, I don't know. Maybe I have. I, I don't know. And you've never seen one of these keys for activating the switches? No, sir. Did you search him, Master Downs? Yes, sir. And his quarters. Didn't find anything. I don't know anything about this tape destruction system, and I know nothing about the switches. You're a liar, Stride, and I can prove you're a liar. You prove it, then. Now, then, son, what's your time? Each day... I record the submarine's log and place the tape in that safe. Besides some very important tapes, every log recording I've made on this trip has been completely erased, with one exception. The recording of today's log, which I made after your visit to this cabin. Maybe someone else got into your cabin. No, Stride. You see this, this strip of film? Now, anyone entering the command area of this submarine has their picture taken by an automatic camera. The picture also records the date and time. You are the only unauthorized person who's entered this area with the necessary electronics knowledge to destroy those tapes. Sir, I swear I had nothing now, to I do with... Now, I don't know how you managed to operate the tape destruction system without a key, but I will know very shortly. Master at Arms, is this, uh, this thing loaded? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I should be careful, sir. The, uh, the safety catch. If I uh, may. Be quiet, Mr. Egan. Now then, Stride, are you going to tell me? There's nothing to tell you. I don't know how the recordings were destroyed. Master at Arms, if I wanted to kill this man, where would be the best place to point this thing? Oh, sir, you just don't try sure. telling me what I can or cannot do, Aitken. Once we're on stage to alert, there's precious little I can't do, including the removal of this miserable worm if his presence threatens the execution of our orders. Sir. Now, where's the best place to point this thing? Not at his chest. Not at his chest what? N not at his chest, sir. Why not? I'm pointing it at his heart, aren't I? Yes, sir, but the ricochet, these steel bulkheads. Oh, um, higher? Yes, sir. Sir, if I may suggest... No, you may not, Fisher. Be quiet. At the, at the neck, like this, hmm? At the head, sir. Up a bit. Five seconds, Stride. But... I won't even count. It's too melodramatic. I'm sure you can mentally tick off five seconds. Starting... From now? I reckon you missed me, little man. Maybe that was just a warning. Maybe I don't shoot an armed man. Or maybe you've gotten yourself a yellow streak wider than the Grand Canyon. Ready? Yes, Marshal. Right here, Marshal. Ever you still handy with that Winchester? Yeah, I sure am, Marshal. I'm so handy. Now's your last chance. Tell us if you pull that safe job. Lieutenant Sinclair. Lieutenant Sinclair. Uh, what is it? Oh, uh, sorry to interrupt your movie, sir, but uh, Captain Harrison wants to berth this man with you. In here, Stride. Stride? What the hell have you been up to? He's upset the captain, haven't you, Stride? Done a good job of it, too. I thought the idiot was going to shoot me. I should watch your tongue if I were you, son. You're lucky to be alive. Has he got to stay with me? I can't spare armed guards for every man who annoys Captain Harrison, now can I? I'll have your kit sent up, Stride. Good night, gentlemen. I hope you get on well together. Sorry about this, sir. 
Oh, you can forget the sir while we're in here. Well, uh, if I shift Catty's sark off the top berth... Here, let me help. Uh, mind the rigging. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You must have a lot of patience to build models with such detail. No. You just need an endless stream of westerns put up at the entertainment committee. <laughs> Captain Harrison said something similar. Hmm. What did you do to upset him? Nothing. You said something about him nearly shooting you. Now, he may be a bit odd at times, but he doesn't go around shooting the crew without good reason. He thinks I activated the tape destruction system, whatever that is. Are the tapes dud? He had some cassettes on the table which he said were useless. With green wrapping paper? Yeah, and red. Wow. No wonder he nearly shot you. Why? How important are those tapes? Important enough. How much? How do I know Harrison hasn't planted you on me? You don't. What did you do to upset him? Well, we had a difference of opinion on a policy matter. Hmm. I don't know much about submarine administration, but I wouldn't have thought that called for an armed guard outside your door. I thought I was asking you questions. There's not much point. Nobody believes me answers. What's a stage two alert? <laughs> You've been listening to rumours. No. Harrison mentioned we were on one just now. He suggested that under a stage two alert, he had the power to shoot me. He has, if you activated the tape destruction system. Look, I don't even know what it is. It's the modern version of the weighted bag for emergency disposal of confidential documents. How's it work? Well, the ship's tapes are kept in the captain's safe. There's a powerful magnetic coil at the back, powerful enough to erase recordings on magnetic tapes if it's energised. Cool. How did you do it? I didn't. Someone did. Well, it wasn't me. The captain said something about a, an activating key. Yeah. There was one on the table. Yeah, that was mine. Oh. I had to surrender it before being incarcerated in here. All executive officers hold one. There's a special switch by each escape hatch which can only be operated by one of those keys. Now, if we have to abandon ship, all an officer has to do is insert his key in the switch, turn it, and... No more recordings on the tapes. Then any officer could have destroyed the tapes. Yeah. But if an officer did, Harrison would know. Why? Using a key destroys its plastic film covering. Now, the idea is that if the submarine has been abandoned, it's possible to check afterwards that the tapes were destroyed. Oh, yeah. Why should Harrison think you destroyed them? He found me in his cabin fixing his television. He says the only tape which is okay is the one he recorded after my... What's the matter? Yeah, of course. That must be it. What? I I'm trying to think. Those switches by the escape hatches... They must operate a relay in the safe to energise the coil. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, that would account for him. Account for what? The captain's television is, is right beside the safe, right? Yeah. I tested the set with a cathode ray tube shielding removed. Mm. The radiation from the picture focusing coil could have energised the relay and so destroyed the recordings. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it sounds highly improbable. Oh, don't you see? 3D colour televisions have something like 20,000 volts going through their coils. Yeah. They even radiate x-rays if they're not properly shielded. And I removed that shielding when I tested the set. Hmm. Well, I... I suppose that could be the explanation. Are you going to tell the captain? I don't know. He probably threatened to take another pot at me. You still haven't told me how important those recordings are. As soon as the sub goes onto a stage two alert, Harrison had played the green tape, which will give him his required fail-safe position. He'll then head for that position to await an eyeball contact with an RAF nemesis. By sending up a TV camera? Yeah, that's right. Now, mm. when Harrison sees the nemesis, he'll fire a flare from the camera boy to let the RAF know he's seen him. 
Then he'll wind the boy back into the sub, downgrade the alert, and return to normal patrol duties. Sounds simple. Yeah. It's supposed to be infallible. What will Harrison do if he doesn't know what his fail-safe position is? <laughs> How the hell should I know? What's that? Shh. Listen. Sounds like it's coming from below. That is crack and control. Fisher's testing his beloved missile conveyors. There's a PCC reject here, sir. Huh? Uh, regarding the revised food rations. Well, pass it under catering. <laughs> What's so funny? Well, the computer has pointed out that the beef burgers only have a freezer life of another 12 weeks. Therefore, they should be used up first. <laughs> Looks like we'll be living on beef burgers for the next few weeks. <laughs> What's the matter, Master Alarms? It's Mr. Floyd, sir. It's about this idea of mine, Captain. Yes, I too have an idea, Mr. Floyd, and if you interrupt me once again when I'm busy, I might put it into operation. But we must at least try something, Captain. We could connect my monitoring gear up to one of the antenna boys the and antenna then... antenna boys can only be sent up at predetermined times. Now, even if I could send them up whenever I wished, I certainly would never sanction their use for any purpose other than that for which they were designed. So much for your fail-safe, Pike. Where the hell's that bloody submarine? Six RAF nemesis have been sweeping the failsafe area for three hours and there's no sign of her. I don't understand it any more than you do, Prime Minister. Perhaps Cerberus received those beacons after all. Perhaps she's still in Fjord 88. According to Miss Arnott, no signal can penetrate the belt and won't be able to for at least another 95 hours. If Cerberus did not receive the beacons, Harrison would definitely play the green tape and head immediately for the failsafe position. Those are his orders. What sort of man is Harrison? Is there any chance he might not follow orders? None whatsoever. His years of conditioning and training would not permit it. He will stick rigidly to procedure. Anything that might prevent him following those orders would create too much emotional stress for him to cope with. What's happened to the idea of individual initiative? Oh, we can't afford that sort of thing today. Not with submarines like Cerberus. We have to know exactly where she is and what she's doing from day to day without maintaining constant lines of communication. Would any of his officers oppose him? No. And even if they did, he has clear instructions on how to deal with them. Which are... At the slightest sign of dissent from any officer or crew member, he would place them under immediate arrest. Stage two alert procedures give him the power to be even more ruthless if necessary. And you have no doubt that Harrison will obey his orders? None at all. Do we really know how a man would behave under such circumstances? With Harrison we do. That's why we chose him. But it's absurd that there's no means of contacting him. Why should there be? Cerberus is nothing more than a remote firing platform. We have nothing to say to her. She has nothing to say to us. As soon as you become dependent on communication links, you not only reduce your system integrity, but you risk the submarine being discovered by the enemy. And you risk the messages being intercepted and eventually faked. I still say this system is infallible. Hmm. I don't like being told about infallible systems from someone who's already been proved wrong. Perhaps the fail-safe position on Harrison's tape doesn't agree with our tape. It must do. Harrison's tapes are copies made from our master's. You seem to have thought of everything. Yes. These missiles Cerberus has, tell me about them. Fifty Krakens, half of them armed with 50 megaton warheads. Preset targets? Oh, yes. Cerberus only has to launch them. Only? What are the targets? Um, here, here, over here in the east, and, um, to here. But they're civilian population centres. Of course. Cyclops will look after the military targets when he goes into service. Does Harrison know his targets are civilian population centres? His red tape provides a target schedule. 
Do we really know if a man, any man, even a martinet such as you say Harrison is, would launch his missiles knowing they're destined for urban areas? We've thought of that. Harrison thinks his targets are tactical rather than strategic. The red tape would bear that out if he plays it. Meaning the target on the tape are not the targets the Krakens are set for. Correct. It will be the same with all the C-class submarines. Although we have no doubts about Harrison's ability to follow orders, we can't risk last-minute misplaced moral feelings jeopardising a retaliatory strike. Moral feelings? I doubt if you have any idea what they are, Pike. Being popular is your job, Prime Minister, not mine. My job is to provide you with the best weapons possible with the available funds. Something I do well. Really? And what about this mess? I didn't create Cerberus, nor did I vote the funds to finance it. Your predecessor and the chiefs of the armed forces all agreed that we should have the capability to reduce a potential enemy's population by 40% at a stroke. 40%? Yes. But why civilians? Why not? The enemy's sword consists of the entire population. The military are merely the cutting edge. We also have the hardware to achieve the probable immobilization of a further 20%. How, for God's sake? The enemy's country is inconceivably large, at least 90% agricultural. We could flatten all their cities, and they could still muster a well-equipped army large enough to overrun the whole of Europe in a matter of days. Hmm. You have to know your enemy. <sighs> The willingness of its peasants to beat plowshares into swords is in the very heart and soul of the country. Propaganda has convinced every man, woman and child that their destiny lies in the defence of the motherland. I know all this, Pike. But you can't effectively bomb an agricultural society. The Americans learned that many years ago in Chinese Indo-Asia, what used to be Vietnam. Oh, we won't have to bomb them. We have something far more effective. Twenty-five of the Krakens do not have nuclear warheads. They have multiple heads that spread over a wide area after re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere. One thousand separate units scattered across the country will descend by parachute over selected rural areas with relatively high population densities. They're not nuclear warheads? No. Then what are they? Wide-angle laser scanners. And what do they do? Well, they're beautifully simple and very effective. At twenty thousand feet... They will give off a spectacular lighting display. It will last three minutes, long enough to ensure the maximum number of people are watching them. We conducted some experiments over Suffolk some years ago. Three minutes is the optimum period required to build up sufficient interest to get the greatest number of people watching. Anything longer, and those are falling off as they lose interest. Yes, 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 but what do these things do? Towards the end of the three-minute lighting display... A wide-angle laser beam rapidly scans the hundred square miles of countryside beneath it. Anyone watching, which we calculate will be about 40 million, will have their optical perception facilities permanently impaired. Their what? They'll be blinded, permanently, by the light of a thousand suns. How many? 40 million, give or take a couple of million. One advantage of such a weapon is that it eliminates the problem of whether or not Europe should follow up with an invasion. With so many people requiring help, an invasion would be most undesirable from the economic point of view. What an appalling device. It's no worse than napalm. It doesn't kill, and fusing the retinas is painless. Tell me, Pike, are you proud of Cerberus? Neither proud nor ashamed. Merely Satisfied? Satisfied? Unless you think of something, Cerberus is going to trigger off another world war. Would you be satisfied with that? The enemy is an extremely tough nut. 
But like all nuts, it can be smashed with one blow, provided the blow is hard enough. And that's one thing I can assure you of, Prime Minister. If Cerberus strikes, the blow will be hard enough. Naturally, I'm disappointed that unforeseen circumstances should have placed us in this position. It damn well should have been foreseen. The Americans carried out a similar radio blackout experiment 30 years ago, back in the 60s. If it's any consolation, Cerberus will not fire the Krakens. No wonder everyone has tried to keep quiet about you, Pike. How do you know she won't? Cerberus would normally receive a beacon two hours, 15 minutes from now. She'll send up her antenna boys in the usual way, and an RAF nemesis will overfly Fjord 88 to simulate a Cassandra beacon at the precise moment it is expected. That's assuming Cerberus is still in the fjord. Oh, she's in the neighbourhood. She'll hear it. What exactly is the beacon? A code word? Twenty low-frequency pulses in four groups of five. Pulse duration is one second, with one second spacing and three seconds between each group. The pattern is changed daily, but that's the pattern Harrison will be expecting for the next beacon. Ten seconds to beacon. Standing by all systems. Quiet now, please. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh, well, thank God for that, sir. Yes, indeed, Mr. Aitken. Thank God. Bill Strength speaking at 6.5. Wonder what went wrong with the earlier beacons. There'll be a full inquiry when we return. Bill Strength speaking at 6.6. Do you think there was some sort of... What was that of reading? 6.6, sir. The signal's getting stronger? Yes, sir. 6.7 now. What's the usual beacon strength? 5.9. It's still increasing. 6.9. I'm getting a slight frequency shift. It could be Doppler. Well, perhaps it's one Shut of up those... a minute. Now picking up field strength 7. PCC reject, sir. Channel 1 beacon unacceptable. What about turn 3? Computer's still analysing, sir. Now peaking at 7.2. Rather odd, sir. This is bloody odd. I don't like it. Not one little bit. Switch the boy mics on. Sir. Yes, that's all the evidence I need. Our friends are flying around up there trying to imitate a beacon. Get the antenna boys down, Aitken. Make for the open water as fast as you can. I'm going to see Fisher in Kraken control. Very good, sir. Take me down to Kraken Control, Master at Arms. Captain? Do you want to speak to him, sir? No, thank you. Get the lift moving. Captain, I... You're stopping the doors from closing, Mr. Floyd. I must speak to you. Step back, please, sir. Not until you listen to what I have to say. What shall I do, sir? Confine him to his cabin. Hey, now, wait a minute. You can't do that. Just show him that I can, Master at Arms. With a guard, sir? Not with a uh, guard. Can you spare a man? Not now. We're on emergency duties. Well, put him in with Sinclair and Stride. A bit crowded, sir. Well, that's his lookout. This way, sir. You've got no authority to do this, Harrison. A lodge an official protest. Oh, really? What was, was it? Yeah. I don't know. What was the red screen's ever one in there? Another cabin made for you, Mr. Sinclair. Oh, no. Captain Harrison's orders. Well, who is it this time? Me. Floyd. Him. Well, gentlemen, I hope you all get on together. A meal will be sent in shortly. No arguments over who sleeps on the floor. Good day. Well... Harrison couldn't have picked a better man to spy on us. A professional. Well, what have you two done? Plotted a mutiny? Didn't he brief you? I'll take the top bunk. That's mine. And who are you? Stride. A leading technician, I see. A low form of life. That's my berth. Well, now. This is His Majesty's submarine, His Majesty's cabin and His Majesty's bunk. And I'm His Majesty's servant. We'll share it, Stride. Or is that still frowned on in King's regulations? Why are you here, Floyd? I upset Harrison with my persistence. It's easily done. We have to have that thing on. No, all right, I'll switch it off. Yeah, I was watching that. How did Harrison seem to you? You know him better than I do. 
You know we're on an alert. I guessed. Give me some credit. Did he, um... Did he seem unstable? Unreasonable's a better word. I can't say I altogether blame him. Not if he's got to do what I think he's got to do. Hmm. The turbines have started. I feel a slight movement just then. We're lifting. Full power going on. Whatever it is we're going, we're going there in a hurry. God, if only I had my intercom. You want to listen to what's going on? Yes, of course. Why? Can you fix it so we can? Nothing could be simpler. Well, why the hell didn't you say so before? As they say in the movies, you never ask. How? They may have taken your intercom away, but you still have the junction box and you have a closed-circuit television. So, by running a lead from the junction box and connecting it to the sound amplifier on the television, yeah. you'll be able to hear everything that's going on. The stride, you're a genius. Yeah. Well, even a genius like me can't spirit lengths of wire out of thin air. No. How about the lead on my tape recorder, Mike? Control room, Aitken. Mr. Aitken, I can't get into Kraken Control. Really, sir? Yes, really, sir. That idiot Fisher has locked himself in. It's only possible to call Kraken Control from the control room. Oh, I... I should have remembered, sir. He often does that. Oh, does he now? I shall have something to say to Mr. Fisher. May you call him up and tell him to let me in? Oh, right away, sir. Oh, uh, there is just one thing. Yes, what's that? If you could possibly avoid shouting at him, he does get upset rather easily. How's it going, Stride? Just one more connection. Right. What do you want to listen to? There's a whole row of terminals here. Control room, reactor area, Kraken control... Can we listen to Kraken control? Yeah, sure. Just a matter of twisting the wire around a screw. Right. So, mm. that's it. These junction boxes are ready-made bugging devices. You're in the wrong business, Stride. I'm not. You are. Right. Let's switch the television on and see. Someone outside. Yeah, stand in front of the box. Right. Yes, sir. Well, the uh, the difficult parts, the rigging and alignment of the yards, if you want to with furl yeah, sails. Something to eat, gentlemen. Beef burgers. Oh. Navy beef burgers, God help us. Well, they're just like Captain Harrison or a Force 10. Okay, if you treat them with respect. <laughs> That's odd. There's four each. The alert standing orders call for food restrictions. Maybe we're off the alert. Then why are the turbines going flat out? Hmm. Anyway, thank you for the warning, Floyd. My pleasure. Let's see if my little arrangement works. It, not too loud. Yeah. <laughs> That's Fisher with his beloved Krakens. If anyone should be locked up, it's him. He even talks to them. Mr. Fisher? Up here, sir. You always keep this hatch locked when you're in here? Sorry about that, sir. I didn't know it was you. Why was it locked? I don't like strangers, sir. Who don't? My little ladies here. I've just been checking them over. Who? Oh. Oh, I see. Yes. They're pleased to be underway again. Well, you can start the arming procedure now. Very good, sir. I shall want them ready in two hours. We're heading for open water. In your last report, you stated your arming team had the time down to two hours. One hour forty on the last army run, sir. Yes, well, that's very good, Fisher. Are the missile conveyors now working properly? Perfectly, sir. Let me show you. No, no, no. I'll take your word for it. By not transporting more than eight at a time to the launch tubes, the conveyors move much faster, and there's less strain on the hydraulics. We tried loading ten, but always run into trouble. Yes, well, we don't want hold-ups doing the real thing. Uh, what difference will it make to the overall time to, um, to launch all of them? Well, don't you worry, sir. We'll be able to discharge the lot in ten minutes. They won't let you down, sir. They're good girls. And they've been very patient all these months. But they won't be hurried. Fisher. 
Fisher, come and sit down a minute. Yes, sir. You know, I don't even know your Christian name. It's Philip, sir. After my mother, Philippa. You realize what it is we're going to do? Of course, sir. And you've no qualms? None at all, sir. The conveyors will function nice and smoothly, and I'm certain the girls will behave themselves. Won't you, girls? You, um, you spend quite a lot of time down here, don't you? Yes, sir. Hours and hours. It's my own little kingdom. And these are my subjects. I see you've been chalking on them. Only the names, sir. You see, I've named them after famous women in history. Bodicea, Helen, Golda, St. Joan, Margaret. Good God. Well, don't worry, sir. The seawater will wash it all off when we flood the launch tubes. No, I wasn't, sir. No. I'm more worried about you. <laughs> I'm all right, sir. Fisher, you... You need a rest. You come along with me. But, but I can't leave them now, sir. Not when they need me. No, I'll see they're looked after properly. You have a rest. I'll take you along to the surgeon. If you say so, sir. Come on. You go first. Yes, sir. One thing, lad. Who was Margaret? I don't recall a Margaret in history. Hurricane Margaret. It killed my parents in 1987. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you don't have to be, sir. They weren't important to me. Not as important as... Down, down here, I felt I was someone. People needed me. You depended on me. They needed me. Have I let you down, sir? No, Fisher. No, you've always done your job well. Never any fuss. Reports always on time. I've probably let you down. I shall miss them, sir. It won't be the same when they've gone. Nothing will be the same when they've gone. Aitken, why didn't you tell me about young Fisher? Tell you what, sir? He's ill. I didn't know that. Is he all right? No, he is not all right. Did you know about his attitude towards the Krakens? Well, only, only that he's keen on his job and spends all his free time checking them over. It's common knowledge. Well, it wasn't common knowledge to me. Maybe it should have been. And maybe you should remember who you're addressing. Fisher appears to me to be suffering from a breakdown as a result of his attachment to the Krakens. You should have seen the writing on the wall long ago. If an officer is competent and diligent, then I don't worry. I'm only concerned with incompetence. And so am I, Aitken. And failure to note and report unusual behaviour in a fellow officer is incompetence, as far as I'm concerned. If you've no confidence in my ability, sir, then you know what you can do, sir. I've every confidence in you, Aitken. Forget what I said. I expect Fisher's illness has only shown itself because his... Precious Krakens are to be launched. Have you thought about the consequences of launching Now, don't you start, Aitken. We don't have to think, do we? All we have to do is obey, obey orders. orders. And do you think I haven't thought about it? You give that impression. So, let's swap rank. Oh, no. Why not? I'd rather not have to obey your orders. They're also your orders. Collective responsibility, remember? Oh, you can order someone to do something. But you can't order him to be responsible, no matter how many bits of paper you make him sign. The overriding factor is that he has to obey the orders in the first Look, place. Look, we've had three beacon failures, three, and a crude attempt by the enemy at imitating one. Now, from that alone, we can guess that they must know we're in the area, and they know the beacon code. They've attacked our country, confident they can stop us retaliating. So, we go home without retaliating? Several cities have probably been wiped out more if we do nothing. Shall we do that? I tell you what, Aiken. I'll have a lot less on my conscience by pressing those buttons than I would have by doing nothing. Wouldn't you? 
I don't know. I suppose if you put it like that. Do we tell the crew? Only those on fire control duties. There's no need for everyone to know just yet. We'll get around soon enough. All those off duty can carry on watching westerns or whatever it is they do. What time do we launch? When we reach this position. Here. Now, two hours from now, I want to be at least 200 kilometers out to sea. We should make it easily at our present 60 knots. I'll take over Clark and Control, leaving you in command here. We'll leave the communication circuit open for direct voice-to-voice -voice contact. What are they up to down there, Stride? Arming the Krakens isn't a noisy job. Nearly finished, sir. Three more to go. Well done. Lunchtime minus 29 minutes. Mr. Aitken, we've nearly completed the arming procedure. How much further to go? 25,000 meters, sir. Another 15 minutes. We've got to stop them. We can't let them launch those missiles. This submarine is intended to act as a deterrent. If the situation arises in which it has to be used, then there's no point in using it, because it's failed to deter. Does that make sense? Not to me, fellow. If someone takes a poke at me, I poke them right back. And that's just animal reaction. You call it what you like. I call it survival. But nobody's going to survive. You speak for yourself, my friend. Why build a submarine in the first place? Oh, well, we could discuss that all night. Look, somehow or other, we've got to stop the launching. Uh, small question. How? Well, we'll have to think of something. It's your idea. You think. I don't want to be involved. You're a coward, Floyd. Yeah, if you like. Well, if you two are going to sit around plotting, I'll grab a spell on the top bunk. Listen, isn't there some way we could sabotage the sub? Hundreds of ways. Unfortunately, none of them can be carried out from this cabin. There speaks a realist. What are all those pipes and conduits passing through the bulkheads? Oh, lighting power, lubricants, coolants. I suppose we could chew through a cable and give ourselves a nice electric shock and plunge the companionway into darkness. You think that might stop them? Well spoken, that man. Look, if you're not going to contribute anything, shut up. Surely there's something we can do. Kraken controls immediately below this deck. Uh, Stride. What? Something occurred to you then. I could tell by your expression. What was it? Well? Oh, wait a minute. I'm thinking. I'm not sure of my bearings. Which side is this cabin on? Starboard, why? This pipe ducts cooling water down to the hydraulic heat exchangers on the missile conveyor machinery. Well, now, we could never cut through that. It must be at least ten centimetres. It orientates this cabin in relation to Kraken control. I know where this pipe comes out below. Now, about, uh, one metre to the left, about here. Hmm. Help me roll back this carpet. Yeah, right. What are you two up to? <laughs> ah, good. Showing him where you hide your dust, Sinclair. Shut up, Floyd. Okay, okay. I'm going to sleep. What is it? An inspection cover. Yeah, but for inspecting what? With any luck, Kraken controls electric power distribution boxes. How do we shift those bolts? Haven't you got any spanners? No. And we don't? But we must. All right. Let's have a look at those tools in your modelling kit. All weapons armed, sir. Stand by to load conveyors. Weapons one to ten, ready for loading, sir. We'll only load eight for the first batch. That's too short of the full load, sir. I am well aware of that. We'll load not more than eight weapons at a time. Very good, sir. Launch time minus 15 minutes. Mr. Aitken. Sir. We're running the first batch of Krakens up to the launch tubes ready for firing as soon as we're in position. Understood, sir. We're stopping the turbines in five minutes. Stand clear of conveyors. Thank <laughs> you.
Ice no good. Whoever tightened this bolt must have been a three-metre gorilla swinging on a six-metre Tommy bar. <laughs> if all three of us try together... Floyd! Okay, I heard. Can't sleep anyway, with you two taking this sub apart around me. Well, what do I do? It's the last bolt. Yeah. Hang on here and heave when I say. Ready? Yeah. Right. Yeah. One, two, three. It's, it's moving. A bit more. That's it. Oh. Now, the cover. You two catch hold of that end. Right. It's heavy. Yeah. Ready? <coughs> Thanks, Floyd. My pleasure. Torch. Here. See anything? Ah, what's the matter? Oh, I was wrong. The distribution boxes aren't here. They must be under the companionway. What about all those cables? Couldn't we cut them or something? Armoured cables. And what about this? <laughs> Might be all right for balsa wood. It's not going to do much good against armoured cable. Besides, which one do we cut through? Well, don't you know what they're for? Vaguely. Well, you're supposed to be a technician. Look, I don't carry the wiring diagrams around in my head. Uh, well, how about that one? Looks the smallest. Uh, auxiliary supply to the conveyors. Mm. And as we heard just now, they've loaded the first batch into the launch tubes ready to fire as soon as the turbines stop. Which they just did. We'd better listen to what's going on. We're in position, sir. What's our depth, Mr. Aiken? One, five, zero, zero meters, sir. Take her up to launching depth. 1,000 meters. Yes, sir. One, zero, zero, zero meters. Launch time minus four minutes. We've got four minutes. I heard. I've been thinking. That blue cable. Yeah. I'm certain it supplies current for the servo motors, which open the launch tube caps just as the Krakens are fired. Well, if we cut it, they wouldn't be able to launch the Krakens. If it's the right cable. We've got to try. It's our only hope. Give me that fret saw. God's sake, don't break the blade. Launch time minus three minutes, 30 seconds. Have you got a strong chisel? Um, you, yes, here. Huh. Leave the cable up so yeah. I can get at it. All right. That's it. Yeah. Hold it there. Mm. Any good? Oh, at least it's a new blade. Mm. Launch time minus three minutes. Come on, come on. Just hold the chisel steady. All right. Firing two, standing by. Yeah. One, zero, 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 zero. <sighs> Do you think Floyd might help out? I'm asleep, fella. I don't want to know what you two are up to. Bastard. The biggest. Uh, if I cut through this cable, just as they launch the Krakens and the tubes remain shut, mm. this sub and all of us will be blown to glory. Launch what time minus two minutes, Nothing. seconds. Keep sawing. What was that he said? I thought you weren't interested in what we're doing. Now give me that saw stride. You get back on your boat. Where are you going? Do you give me that saw, or do I call the guard? Time. No! I don't care what you do, provided it doesn't involve me. Come away from that door! Sorry, fella. So am I, Floyd! Now get back! Hey, I want out. to! Open launch tube, sea valves. Sea valves open. Mr. Aiken, fine trip control over the to PCC. Yes, sir. FTC now under computer control. Internal wave compensators on. Your stabilizers on. Launch time minus 90 seconds. What's the matter with Floyd? He'll be okay. Why aren't you cutting that cable? You took the chisel. Are you sure? Get on with it. The chisel. Oh. Where does it go? Here. God, what happened? 
I'm, I must have cut myself with it. Now get on. Don't worry about Floyd. Launch time minus 67. Oh, I'm not going to manage it. This arm is... Don't talk. Are we now stabilised? Shall I take a turn? No, it's okay. Right. Leave it up a bit. Okay. That's it. Insert firing keys. Firing keys inserted. It's through the armour. Oh, good. What? Single core cable. Oh. It's the right one, all right. Launch time minus 30 seconds. Strike, come on, come on. These strands, they're tough as hell. Launch time minus 20. Close ignition circuits. Ignition circuits. Try lifting and uh, uh, twisting. Yeah, Some okay. of the strands should break. Yeah, right. Yeah, good, good. Launch time minus 10 seconds. Ignition sequence. <coughs> Please, oh, no. God, please. Two more strands. Yeah. Twist. Okay. Launch time minus five and counting. Four, oh, three, last strand. Nearly. Yeah. I don't know what to think, Louise. It could have been worse, Michael. We'll never know what happened. It was a stroke of luck, the RAF spotting the wreckage on the surface. Fifty men. Do the Russians suspect anything? I think they would have said something. They've even sent some trawlers to help with the North Atlantic air sea search. That's the worst part. Seeing the faces of the wives on television. While the search is still on, they live in hope. When's the phony search being called off? Tomorrow. The wreckage of the RAF picked up is to be dropped about 400 kilometres north of Iceland. I've always campaigned against... Deception and fraud in politics. And here I am, one month in office and having to perpetrate the biggest lie of the decade. Oh, Michael, you mustn't blame yourself. I have to, Louise. Like Harry Truman's buck, it stops right here, in this office. Half of them were under 25. Lieutenant Philip Fisher, born 6th of July, 1974. Pike's resignation is the one good thing to come out of it. Do you still want to cancel Ceres and Cyclops? Yes. Whether I could with the amount of money that's already been spent. <laughs> Remember your Greek mythology about Cerberus? Wasn't it a dog with several heads which guarded the gates of Hades? Yes. Leading with Cerberus was one of the twelve labours of Hercules. It was also his hardest. Maybe he had no one to help him, Michael. My transfer, you want it. It only requires your signature. In The Light of a Thousand Suns by James Follett, Captain Harrison was played by Manning Wilson, Lieutenant Sinclair by John Rye, and leading technician Stride by Ian Thompson. Floyd, Michael Shannon, Louise Arnott, Sheila Mitchell, Wallace, James Hayes. The Prime Minister, Conrad Phillips, Theodore Pike, Vernon Joyner, Aitkin, Sean Probert, Fisher, John Bull, and the Master-at-Arms, Nigel Graham, with Carol Boyd, Hugh Ross, and Roger Gartland. The play was produced by Margaret Ettel.